We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, now they start to count for real. Two exhibition games down. Regular season basketball looming large for Syracuse men's hoops. What's going on, everybody? It is episode two of Red is the New Orange alongside Ian Unsworth. My name is Johnny Gadamowitz. Thanks so much for joining us. Make sure you check us out on Twitter. We're at F68 underscore Qs as a part of the Field of 68 podcast network. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out the Field of 68 as well for plenty of content, whoever your team might be as we loom closer and closer to the start of the college basketball season. But Ian, as far as Syracuse is concerned, the St. Rose exhibition in the books, no shortage of storylines here as the preseason wrapped up. Little before tip in exhibition number two. Sure enough, Syracuse men's hoops putting out a statement. Can't do it without drama. Benny Williams suspended from the team. Now, the caveat was, They don't expect it to be anything all too serious. They did say he is expected back shortly, but he in an eyebrow razor nonetheless. It's a violation of team rules. So we don't know what Red Autry's team rules are. We're not going to pretend like we do. But again, they could be very different from Jim Beheim's team rules. As we talked about on Monday, the differences are everywhere with this team. So Benny, uh, for all intensive purposes, could have overslept on a cold Syracuse Tuesday as us college students pretend to do sometimes, or I guess we're former college students now, Johnny, that, that makes me feel, uh, don't don't age us too quickly, please. But you know, it's Tuesday morning. You got a morning practice. You go back home, you need a nap and you, you forget to set the alarm that happens. And that's, that's just life. Sometimes Benny, I'm sure will take this. Well, if, if it is not that serious and, He'll move on, and Syracuse didn't have any problems against St. Rose. It wasn't like the offense looked disjointed without Benny. The defense, I mean, it's still not where it can be, but people were still very active. Multiple players with three steals, three different ones, actually. St. Rose was sloppy with the ball all night, but I think Syracuse defensively looked a bit more awake and looked a bit more apt to get in St. Rose's way and cause some problems. First time we saw Judah Mintz, Johnny, what'd you think of him? I thought he played well. I think you look at the box score and maybe it's a little deceiving in that you go, okay, only what, three of 10 from the field, I think it was. But at the end of the day, got to the line 16 times. 
So this is the type of guard who obviously is a slasher, likes to get to the rim, right? You don't need him to pour it in and have an extremely efficient day shooting the basketball in order for him to have the impact that is best suited towards this team's contributions. And I think that's what you got from last night. Now, is that to say that he's going to have consistently poor nights shooting the basketball? Hopefully not. Is that not to say that at some point, if Syracuse is serious about winning basketball games against cream of the crop ACC teams, maybe you're going to need a little bit better of a shooting performance out of them? Sure. But I think for the purposes of exhibition games, right, shake that rust off. We didn't see him in the first exhibition against Damon. Heck of a lot of new teammates with bigger roles. Let him get acclimated and let him sort of find his footing as the year progresses here early on. The number I liked the most was seven to zero. Seven assists, no turnovers, and J.J. Starling, on the other hand, who saw a bit less of the ball, only one dime to four giveaways. So Judah attracts a lot of attention, and you saw in the first couple minutes, he takes it to the hole, takes a couple of those awkward leaners, which get him in trouble in times. We saw it a lot last year where he'd run into two, three guys at the rim, not really know what to do, and throw it up there. But he's distributing well. Bayheim harped on it last year as Syracuse went through the season. We need Judah to turn into more of a distributor, and we saw that. And his, his teammates really chipped in. Chris Bell, how about 19 points? Only two of eight from the three-point line, but he's not afraid to shoot it. We know that. And we talked about the development of his catch-and-shoot game, Justin Taylor's catch-and-shoot game on Monday. Still not there yet, but both those guys have been given the green light and they're both finding ways to get involved. Now, Bell, when he catches it, he's shooting it. That's just kind of how it works. That's there's, his identity. there's never a thought to put the ball on the floor. Right. But Taylor has a couple of sets for him. Johnny, one thing I really liked was the Spain pick and roll. Which you this, texted me about mid-game, might I add. Yes, um, with, with glowing reviews. Spain pick and roll is where you have a shooter screen for a big man. And then that big man goes to set a screen for the point guard. Needless to say, it's easy in all that screening for a defender to get lost in translation. And then you have Taylor, the shooter, popping out on the other side wing while Mintz drives to the cup. There's so much conflict for the defense. Do I go at Judah Mintz? Yeah, ACC freshman team, all first teamer last year. Do I stop the 7-4 guy that's running straight to the rim or do I close out on the shooter? A lot of the times, the shooter's the forgotten one. It got Justin Taylor an open three early on, and I love that. Yeah, and those are sets that I think we weren't really seeing a oh, ton absolutely of last not. year, right? So it just speaks to the theme of, of how different this team is going to be. I will say this, though, Ian. I, I want to pump the brakes a little bit. Um, I, I think everyone sort of hears this four-guard lineup and everyone gets very excited of, you know, the high-flying, fast-paced style of play that this team is going to be. And maybe it's just because it was an exhibition, um, and maybe it's because everybody's new and still getting acclimated. But especially in the first half of that game yesterday, it I didn't think it was nearly as, let's say, sexy as I think Orange fans hope that it can be. Um, you know, you think about the narrative of no Benny and it obviously created intrigue that Malik Brown also did not suit up last night, according to the team, just, just precautionary as he deals with something minor. Um, but I, I don't know if you agree in that it, it, the rhythm wasn't all necessarily there. If you recall in that first half, it's not as if Syracuse ran away with this thing right from the get-go per se. They were up 21 to six at about the five minute mark. And then after that, 
St. Rose kind of made its way back into the game. Hung around. Right. That's I, Red was experimenting. There right. were a lot of different lineups out on the floor. At one point here, I wrote this down last night. At one point, it was Judah Mintz, J.J. Starling, Kyle Cuff, Quadir Copeland, and Peter Carey. Peter Carey, even though he's kind of like a baby giraffe out there, the energy level is really high. There are a lot of arms and limbs flying around, but he'll do his best to get you a rebound. He'll do his best to contest a shot, and that's all you really need from him at this point. But how about those four guards, right? Three of them are under 6'4", and none of them really shoot that well, right? Kyle Cuff right. is the best shooter of the group, quote-unquote, and he's only taken a couple throughout this preseason. Copeland bricked one, Mintz bricked one, Starling's not even really looking for it right now. So that's the reason why things didn't look as pretty right. or as fluid as they possibly would. You play lineups like that, you just know as a defense, you don't have anything to worry about except for the painted area. Right. That's fair. I, I more just question to what extent, like let's say regular season play. If, if we around, saw right? that lineup in the regular season, no, fans it's not going to work. Right. To be mad. Right. And, and that's something that's not going to work. I don't think, um, you know, for as much as, you know, we credit Benny Williams for his, his physicality, right. It, it's not as if he is some otherworldly rebounder. Right. I think Malik Brown is the he's one. Not, he's get, not fat young. Right. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, look, they're what? I think it was only plus four on the glass last night, right? And again, this is against a D2 opponent that went, what, I think three and 17 in the NE10 last year. They, they, they had a tough go, right? So this is a St. Rose team that I know, I know it was plenty new, a lot of new faces. But at the same token, I think from a Syracuse standpoint, you're only plus four on the glass against a team like that. I know you're rolling out four guards, but still, something's got to give. Okay, but let, let's... I'm going to pump the brakes on you pumping the brakes because it could get a lot worse. Right. It could be so much worse in Red Autry's first season with transfers coming in with unproven pieces all over the place. It could be so much worse. Coaches don't scout for these secret scrimmages, these exhibition games. Like, not, not, there is no preparation that goes into let's play St. Rose. Right, it's almost like a pickup game for these guys. Other than the fact that they know who their teammates are, and because they're all wearing the same colored jersey. You see, you see the Louisville game the other night, Johnny, lost to Kentucky Wesleyan. It could be so much worse, right? And so some of these things we have to take stock into. Louisville's going to be a bad team again. Kenny Payne might get fired, but the rebounding margin, Syracuse still led. And again, they're playing a ton of guards most of the time because both of their best forwards are on the pine or even right. not in the arena. Not too concerned. That's fair. And again, all of this comes with a caveat and that these games don't count, right? So obviously experimenting is something that is going to happen in preseason games. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Monday, though, games do start to count, and we'll continue kind of our season preview here, if you will. Last episode, we took a glimpse at some of the guards and what we expect out of the backcourt. Now, Ian, we'll we'll switch gears a little bit here and go to the forwards, and, and we've sort of been beating around the bush with it a little bit here, but obviously the elephant in the room is nobody really knows if if Benny Williams is going to be good to go to suit up Monday, whatever that suspension might be. For the purposes of this conversation, we will operate under the assumption that both he and Malik Brown are going to be good to go as Brown nurses his way back to full health and Benny gets his situation sorted out, whatever it may be. Um, but I think it's no secret that when it comes to the forwards on this team, it, it's more the depth than anything else. Um, that raises some eyebrows and question marks, right? I mean, I think with Benny Williams, it's the kind of case where you know what you're going to get, right? Like, I don't, th- I think, Benny, do, we? I, do I, we? I think so. I think so. I think Benny showed his true colors a year ago. Um, we, t- I, I brought this point up briefly um, on our previous episode, but I think if the Benny breakout was coming and, you know, he was going to become that, you know, consistent scoring option and this freak of a physical athlete that could get it done on both ends. I think we would have seen that by now. Maybe that's just me. Um, But I, I look more at Malik Brown, someone who came in as a freshman last year, pieced together really a season that I don't think anyone expected. And now it's about, okay, how do you build? How do you take that next step? That's just where I stand on it. I'm of the opposite mind here. Okay. I don't know how much there is to build with Malik Brown. Did he take a jump shot last year? You don't need him to. You don't need him to. But I bring that up in the fact that his role You're is saying limited. He can only he can only expand his role his is definitely so limited. Yes. Right. In today's day and age of basketball, there's only so much space to have a guy out there that doesn't shoot it all that well. And keep in mind, Brown is most of the time going to play with a center that also does not shoot. I don't, I've seen Munir Hima take jump shots pregame. I don't, I don't need that. (laughs) I I don't think Naheem McLeod is good for much beyond eight feet. He had had points last night where he looked a little nimble offensively. McLeod, I know defensively, maybe orange fans want to see a little more, but he he could move around a little bit under the basket, but I don't need him standing in the corner while Malik Brown roams the dunk. No, your point is well taken. Yes. So, Brown is good, and he can get better at the stuff he's already good at. But going above and beyond and taking a there, I don't think there's much of a leap for him to take beyond just getting better and playing more minutes in the role he already has. All right, so let me ask you this then: Do you think there is a world where where Benny pieces together? Let, let's talk in terms of numbers here, statistically speaking, a significantly better season than he gave you a year ago. 
I, I don't I don't see that world. Is he going to be a knockdown three point shooter always? No, you yeah. don't need him to be. Is he going to be the best rebounder on your team? Probably not. Are the, could the rebounds be there if he finally gets physical? Yes, he's one of the, if not the most athletic player on your team. Right. Could he average 12 points a game if he maybe takes a couple fewer mid-range fadeaways and goes all the way to the cup and nails one open three? Yeah. If he if he scores 12 points a game, I think that's major improvement. Barely saw the floor in his first season. Last year, up and down, mentally and physically. A consistency is an improvement for this guy. And we know, I mean, sometimes the recruiting rankings get it wrong, but you've seen the flashes. There is another step with the jump shot, with the handle, with the slashing. There is more room for Benny Williams to improve. Well, I'll say this. I mean, if he does, if he takes that stride that that you are alluding to, I don't think it's coming. Perhaps you do. Um, I think Syracuse could be playing with house money. I mean, you think about Benny taking that next step. If Brown gives you what he gave you last year, not to mention you combine that with the backcourt that we dissected last time out. Um, this, this could be a scary group. It really can. And I know it's new and I know there's a lot of unknowns. Um, I don't see it happening per se. I, I can see why he what gets chalked up as the X factor, right? What holds him back. I, I don't see that jump shot developing. I really don't. I think, you know, I think similar to Malik Brown, 90% of his scoring is going to come from within a 10-foot radius and going up against these ACC teams that defensively are going to put the clamps on and can out-physical you, if that's a word. I might have just made it one. No, I've, um, I've seen – I've heard it a lot, Johnny. You're good. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I don't see that next step coming again. I think if we were going to see it, would have happened by now. Now, maybe – if that consistency is there, then there is that much more of a chance at happening. But I sort of read into this preseason suspension. All of a sudden, you know, things are not looking as great. And that's not to say he won't be out there Monday and dismiss this preseason suspension just like that. I just think there's more reason to think it's not going to happen than it is. The other thing is the confidence portion. Right. We mentioned this on Monday. Benny Williams needs to feel confident. He needs to be confident and he needs to get minutes to have that next step. Right. And the suspension, no matter how long it is, will set him back that he doesn't get, get in a rhythm against St. Rose and right. he doesn't see the minutes that he usually would. So that's, that's something we do have to touch on. It makes sense that we dig into the forwards here because New Hampshire's best player on Monday is a forward. Yep. And he looks like a Greek God. He, like, legit, Johnny, he is chiseled out of stone. I saw him play last year against Binghamton. Uh, his name is Clarence Daniels, first-team All-America East guy a year ago. They found him in the middle of nowhere. He spent his first two years at Lake Region State College. Any guesses where that is? Lake Region State? I'd say they're Minnesota or Michigan? You actually – he's from Minnesota. Okay. You, you you knock that one out of the park. <laughs> but he showed up at UNH. I talked to Coach Bill Herring, who's no longer there, so that's a big point of contention for the Wildcats. New coach, new backcourt. Right. right. This team has been almost stripped down at the guard spot from a year ago. They still have Ridvon Tutich, their center, and they still have Daniels. But a lot of, a lot of new for them as well. But Clarence Daniels is a dude. 
He was the best rebounder in the America East, right? Scored, scored almost 500 points, shot almost 40% from the three. He only made one a game. But when we when we see the four-guard lineups, you see Quadir Copeland trying to guard a somewhat semi-undersized four. Yeah, that might right. not this, go so well come Monday. I made, I made the Thad Young comparison earlier. Like, right. this guy, Clarence Daniels, is Thad Young. Small guy, makes his money in the post or maybe at the elbow, but he will outmuscle you and he can get to the cup and he can rebound. Yeah, and, and some parallels coming into Monday's opener, obviously, with two new head coaches. Oh, um, and by the way, Daniels put up 34 against BC last year. Yeah, he's the guy to circle. Um, looking up and down this New Hampshire roster. A lot of unknowns, uh, but make no mistake, if they want any chance at hanging in this game, they are going to need Daniels to be at his best. Now, how does that translate from a Syracuse standpoint? You better hope you're getting Benny Williams and Malik Brown back because as you were just alluding to, Ian, if you're not, and that minute distribution is very similar, all the credit in the world to Quadir Copeland. I know he had nine assists in exhibition number one against Damon, I don't see that matchup going too well for him. Um, so I, I'm not saying you need both if you want to give Malik a little more time to get healthy um, or, or if this Benny situation is anything bigger than what it's been made out to be. But if you're missing both of them, that could be a very intriguing, um, you know, tough scenario for, for Autry to have to deal with in game number one, especially when you think about, you know, non-conference, you want to stack up these wins, you want to have more good things going for you than bad early. Um, and, and that's not to say that that Syracuse could be staring a loss in the face, but at the same token, you want to hit the ground running, right? Monday night in front of the home crowd, back at the Dome, first game of the season, right? Energy is going to be up. You want to make this a sure thing. Um, and again, it, it brings us kind of full circle here with this particular episode, to my point at least, where, you know, I, I think this four guard lineup, while there's plenty of good things going for it, um, I think people for some reason don't really even want to give the downside of it the time of day. And I think this game number one could maybe force it to rear its ugly head sooner than a lot of Orange fans would have hoped. Couple interesting notes uh, per Ken Palm, the favorite data source of all college basketball yep. nerds like ourselves. New Hampshire last year played really slow. Uh, there are about 360-something teams in college basketball this year. New Hampshire's average tempo, so how many possessions they had per game, was 330th. So they are going to slow it down, try to play in the half court. I don't think, even though they have a new coach, I don't think they're going to make a whole lot of stylistic adjustments uh, just because that's kind of how the America East plays. It's a right. slower conference. There's not a whole lot of fast breaking. And also, speaking of bad numbers, New Hampshire was 359th last year in two-point percentage. And they were in the 200s in three-point percentage. So not efficient, right? Not an offense that yeah, you expect. If you're going to play that slow, you better be able to convert at a high rate, at least yeah. from a two-point. Two but, I mean, the, the tempo is something right. to keep an eye on. If Syracuse, tempo-wise, controls the game, they shouldn't have a problem. And if Daniels is running up and down the floor, chasing whoever, if he's late closing out on Taylor, it's wraps. Tough if he can't lot. get to Chris Bell... It's wraps. See right. you later, Wildcats. Right, right. Fair enough. Um, and before we say so long, I mean, let, let, let's bookend this here with, you know, last time out we talked about, all right, if it's all sunshine and rainbows, if everything goes great, what is this team ceiling? Um, let's play devil's advocate here, I guess, on the flip side of things. If things do not pan out, 
And year number one under Red Autry is not a very memorable one. Where can things sort of go wrong and, and take a little bit of a turn for the worse here? Well, according to Mr. Pomeroy, they're projected to go 12 and 17. Yes, it's Red Autry's first year, but I don't right. think Q's fans are going to be happy with 17 losses, especially seeing as 13 of them are coming in conference play. Right. Uh, they're projected to lose both games they have scheduled in the Maui Invitational. Tennessee is the first one, and then LSU, you're dropping that. Georgetown by one point, Oregon by one point. I know you talked about the importance of the non-conference games, Johnny. I'm not so stuck on that. Right. You have North Carolina at home. You got to give them a battle. You have Notre like games like that. I expect a bit of a battle. But losing the ones like Florida State at home, North Carolina State at home, if you can't compete with the teams that are supposed to be in your echelon in the ACC, a Wake Forest, a Clemson, a Georgia Tech, those teams that came in the Dome at the end of the year and just beat the brakes off of Syracuse. I don't expect that to happen this year. There should be no 30-point deficits because the zone is no more. But if you are losing, that's one thing. If you're not losing close, A, and if you're getting outmaneuvered, right. if you're getting outcoached, if there's a, an adjustment you're not making, if you're if you're too hesitant to change a lineup or switch back to the zone for a couple possessions, like if there are coaching adjustments that fall by the wayside, I think that's when people are going to start to get frustrated. Yeah, people were frustrated with Bayheim last year, right? Right. Not winning the end, not winning the game in the final moments, right? Bad out of timeout plays, in the inability to leave the zone or change the zone or get a stop. Those were the things that frustrated people and had them on edge with Beheim before the rest of the avalanche came down. Right, right. No, I think I think there will definitely be some incentive with a lot of these programs that that just had their way last year. For me, I, I really key, on, key in on two things. One of them slightly related to what you were just saying, Ian. I think you got to start conference play out on the right foot. Once you hit the tail end of the non-conference games, right, and you're ready to flip the calendar into 2024, three of the first five games are against Pitt, Boston College, and then Pitt again. I would say those need to be wins. You got Duke and North Carolina in there early, so obviously you'll take what you can get. But I think the conference games against the teams in the bottom half that are early – you have to take advantage of because when those quote unquote chalk up wins turn into losses, that's when things start to get difficult. And then you're caught having to make up ground on the back end. Better to stash them early. The other thing for me is health. Um, and I think, you know, this this builds off of what we were saying earlier as well, where the forward depth is thin, but but even from a guard standpoint, obviously the depth is there, right? But staying healthy is just going to be so instrumental for this team. I I really feel that way. And you can say, okay, yeah, that's the case for any team in any sport, right? But when you have the amount of new pieces that this team has, um, and when you consider the fact that, okay, yes, Judah Mintz is the most highly touted player on this team, but that they're not just reliant on one guy, right? I, I truly feel that if this team is going to piece together something special this year, they're going to need everybody. 
you lose one cog in that machine and all of a sudden, you know, things could tumble from there. So I think bank in those conference wins early and stay healthy. Keep your five, six, seven key players healthy. Get, don't overload the minutes early, right? Syracuse teams of three, four years ago, we saw how much Joe and and Buddy and, you know, going back to the Gary is Marek would play early and often in November and December. I'm okay with those minutes being limited for, for the long haul, right? Think, think smart, think down the line. Um, so, so that's certainly an area where I'm, I'm keying in on as well. You need the energy at the end of the season. Four of Syracuse's last six games are on the road and no, you're not playing world beaters. It's Georgia tech, NC state, Louisville and Clemson, right? Winnable games, but you, you need the team to finish strong. And that ACC tournament momentum really means something with the new guys and the health perspective. We don't know what the drop-off is if Judah Mintz doesn't play and and Kyle Cuff is starting at, you know, three, four games in a row. We don't know what the drop-off is when some of these new pieces have to get involved, right? Even if McLeod goes down, Munir Hima didn't play a whole lot last season for what it's really worth. And Peter Carey didn't play at all. So the drop-off is, is very interesting to consider. And at the end of the day, at the end of the game, there are two guys on this team who I feel comfortable putting the ball in their hands and letting them work. You need both of them. Yep. So you can't just have one. You saw it last year. Judah got the ball at the end of games, and, and it got shaky. You can't just have one. You need multiple options. Well, all our preseason questions, expectations, they'll all be answered Coming up this Monday, Syracuse and New Hampshire as the regular season begins. Hard to believe it's already here, but we are looking forward to it. We are certainly hoping that you are looking forward to it and ready to soak in everything that this 2023-24 Cuse men's hoop season has to offer. A big reminder, again, be sure to check us out on Twitter. We're at f 68 underscore Cuse. You can find us wherever you get your podcast, all sorts of video, audio content, you name it. We've got it. And again, be sure to check out at the field of 68 on Twitter as well. They've got all sorts of good stuff cooking, not just for Syracuse, but nationwide, your team, they have it. Be sure to give them a follow as well. Plenty of content up on their channel. That's just about going to do it for this edition of Red is the New Orange. For Ian, I'm Johnny saying so long. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the opener this week. Have a good one. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com